Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. This episode recorded live on stage in Washington, D.C. at the Lincoln Theater. We have some excellent cases for you, and we were joined on stage by our friend Linda Holmes from the Pop Culture Happy Hour. And our musical guest was the great Brian Farrow. It was a really fun night, and we're so happy to share it with you right now. Let's go to the stage. Washington, D.C., you've come to us desperate for justice, and we're here at the Lincoln Theater to deliver! Let's bring out our first set of litigants. Please welcome to the stage, Sarah and Susan. Tonight's case, emergency you in court. Sarah files case against her mother, Susan. Susan is a volunteer EMT in a rural community. Sarah would like her mother to refrain from responding to emergency calls when Sarah is in town visiting. Susan feels a responsibility to respond to the calls whenever they come through. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one can decide. Please rise metaphorically as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and delivers an obscure cultural reference. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, I yield my time on the floor to DC native Jay Jones for the cultural reference. Please step forward. So yielded. When I get up all in ya, we can hear the angels calling us, and we can see the sunrise before us. And when I'm in that thing, I make your body sing. I make her say, wee 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 wee, like a cop car. Wee 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 wee. Thank you, Jade. Jay Jones. Stand by, please, Jade. Please swear them in, Bailiff Jesse Thorne. Sarah and Susan, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he has never been an EMT, only a fraudulent medical doctor? (laughs) I do. I do. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Sarah and Susan, you may be seated for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors. Can either of you name the piece of popular culture that Jay Jones sang when we entered the courtroom? Susan, let's start with you. Um, I think I heard it on uh, TV show Active ni- uh, 911. You heard it on the TV show 911. Yeah. Is that a TV show? It is. <laughs> It's a real yeah. TV show. It's a, what's that? It's a real TV it's show. It's a real TV show, and as a, as a volunteer EMT, is it your favorite TV show? <laughs> it's one I it's enjoy. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get enough calls. Let's get some pretend calls up in here. Sarah, what's your guess? My guess is it, it's that song that goes like, wee, 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 like a cop car. That, yeah. that one. Well, it's not a bad guess. <laughs> We'll add that into the guest book, but my question I have to ask, I apologize, Sarah, is do you know the name of the song? The N- name of the song? No, of course not. Well, guess what? 
Neither do I. <laughs> Jade, what is the name of the song, please? The name of the song is Mrs. Officer by Lil Wayne. Oh. Mrs. Officer by Lil Wayne as performed by Jay Jones. And Jade... So, Jade, you're a DC native, and you're a, a theater person and a performer. What, what's going on with you these days here in the District of Columbia? Sure, I just finished Into the Woods at the Ford's Theater, not to be confused with the Lincoln Theater. Right, of course. People easily confuse it because Ford's Lincoln. Um, we, we get it. Yeah. Oh, and this place totally named itself Lincoln Theater to confuse people. <laughs> like, they're sort of like, they're going to think Lincoln died here. <laughs> then they're going to come, all the podcasts are going to come here. All the history nerds are going to be like, let's go to Six Emperor Tyrannus Land. We got tricked. Correct, yes. So uh, I'm a musical theater actress. Uh, I will be working at the Shakespeare Theater for the next six months. So if you like high art, come out and see it. Uh, my Instagram is LittyOfficial. I'm not making that up. So if you like Instagram, you can follow me. How do you spell that? L-I-T-T-Y, Litty, Official. All I wanted to know that there was no underscore between Liddy and official because all underscores are canceled. All right. Jay Jones, thank you very much. We're going to hear the case Jones. Let's get to the case. Sarah and Susan. Sarah, you bring the complaint against Susan, your mother. Is that correct? That is correct, And yes. you, Susan, you live here in the, in the D.C. area or no? No, I live in the northern Shenandoah Valley in a valley in Shenandoah Valley called Fort Valley. A valley within a valley? It's this is some inception stuff. <laughs> How deep does it go? <laughs> are you... I don't mean to be rude, but are you a mole person? <laughs> are you simply describing the center of the earth? <laughs> it's a hanging valley. It's actually a... What are you talking about? <laughs> A hanging valley. A valley doesn't hang. A cliff hangs. It, it was named by George Washington, right? Um, well. Wait a minute, Sarah. What's that supposed to mean about anything? The fact that it was named by George Washington yeah. is supposed to sort of fill me with utter reverence so I won't, I'll stop questioning the reality of what your mother is saying? Oh, well, if it was named by George Washington, our first president, oh. No, you know what? I believe patriotism is questioning authority. And I question your authority, Susan. What is a hanging valley? It's a geological feature, and I don't remember how it, but it's, it's actually above the Shenandoah Valley. So your valley is a little bit above the valley. Mm -hmm. So it's like, here's the plateau, valley, and then, ooh, valley. Well, not exactly, but yeah. It says here you live in the Shenandoah Valley, but you technically live in the valley within the valley, the Hanging Valley, known only as Brigadoon. <laughs> or what is it again? Fort Valley. Fort Valley. And uh, there you are, a volunteer EMT? I'm a volunteer EMT. EMT being one of the great crossword puzzle answers. <laughs> Those people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and how many, how many calls a week do you get, would you say? We average one to two calls a week. And I well, you said we, so there's more than one of you? Yes. Okay. There's the active running EMTs. Mm -hmm. There's um, about nine. And when you say active running EMTs, you're people, people who, are, 
who are not volunteers or no, no, no. we're all volunteers. All volunteers right. um, some people are not released, which means you're licensed to practice as an EMT, and some people are just don't have not been released, and uh, some people have just moved or gone away, but they're still part of the fire department. Right. And so that's how, that's how it goes in rural communities. It is right. I see you're wearing a hat, VFD hat. It's a very hard initialism to <laughs> pronounce. <laughs> Fort Valley Volunteer Fire Department, I presume. Yeah, we're all volunteer. We don't charge for services. Oh well, thank you. Um, <laughs> Unlike the rest of America. <laughs> about eight of us, but a lot of them work outside of Fort Valley. Oh, okay. Over the mountain. And right. And so, um, just over the mountain, or also through the woods? <laughs> a little bit of both, actually. <laughs> um, and uh, you never know who's in Fort Valley when a call happens. Right. So when a call happens, how do you get alerted? I wear a pager. Right. And I have a radio, and right. it goes off. Is this a valley in ancient times? <laughs> Yeah, I, I have a sub-question. Are you a drug dealer in 1994? <laughs> you have a question within a question, a hanging question, as it were? Okay, you have a pager. I have a pager, right. and I stop whatever I'm doing, and I get my car, and I drive, and it takes about five minutes to drive to the fire department. Right. And then... And you should drive to where the person's having an emergency. It depends. Sometimes I do. Okay. Uh, oh, right, because you it, don't have the ambulance parked in your I driveway. Have, I have a jump bag. All the released EMTs in Fort Valley have a jump bag that has an AED and things that you can treat a trauma with, mm -hmm. but it's you usually... you have that with you tonight? Because I do some, yeah, a lot of heavy in, physical comedy. Yeah, it's in the parking lot. <laughs> it's wherever we parked when we got here. Okay, fine. <laughs> I do take it with me wherever I go. Right. I'm sorry. I, I asked. I, you're trying to answer my question seriously. I know, I'm, I'm sorry. distracting you. No, no, no. <laughs> if it's closer to me than the fire department, I go straight there, and gotcha. then somebody can go to the fire department and bring the ambulance to me. Right. And so there's eight people. Four Valley is 20 miles long and five miles wide, and we have about nine released eight or nine cool. EMTs that um, Don't can't. look to your daughter. She doesn't understand your life's work. She wants you to stop. And so if... She knows nothing of what life is like in Fort Valley. <laughs> She's just hearing sounds coming out of your mouth and looking at you and wondering if they're like Vampire Weekend albums. <laughs> I don't... Her life is meaningless. It's just a long string of avocado toasts. So I would I would follow that life path. <laughs> like if it were just like avocado toast, avocado toast, leaving to a grave in Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, I'm there. I'm on my hands and knees. I'm just gonna eat that up. Follow that line. Anyway, Susan, I'm, I apologize. And so we uh, we meet, and sometimes only two of us show up: a driver and an EMT, and sometimes five or six people show up. And when we get there, we decide who's the best team to go and take the person to the uh, hospital. And this discussion, I presume, takes about 45 minutes? <laughs> no, it takes... <laughs> well, gosh, Susan, I don't know. I mean, you trained in CPR more recently. Let's get our certificates out and look at them. Who was the most recent person to train in CPR? Will you hang on a second, ma'am? We're trying to figure this out, so... <laughs> let's, let's roll for charisma real quick. 
Okay. And then you and then you take him to the hospital. Right. Right. And how did you get started in this in this line of not work but volunteerism? We moved there in 2012. We have horses and we found a beautiful place to move to with our horses right. and somebody that I met said, "Do you want to become an EMT?" and I said, "Yeah." That's amazing. <laughs> so when you say we, you're talking about My you husband and your husband and, and mm-hmm. your horses. How many horses do you have? Now we have four big horses and two minis. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I have pictures. How tall are the minis? Oh. Let the record show that Susan is indicating about three and a half feet, maybe yeah. four. Follow-up question. Three. three. Okay. Do you have any miniature donkeys known popularly oh. as donks? No. Oh. I'm sorry, Jesse. I find it in your daughter's favor. <laughs> Someday we'll find a case with donks for you. What are the names of all the horses, including the miniature horses, if you don't know? Um, Let's start with the four bigs and then go to the two mins. Belle, Wally, Zorio, Rags. Yeah. Aww. Zorio. Yeah, he's from Colorado. He's a oh, paint. Oh, well, therefore I understand. <laughs> you may not know that's a common Coloradan name. For horses. Zorio. <laughs> And the minis are uh, Christopher Robin and oh. Daisy. Yay, four horses. <laughs> the miniature horses are kind of jerks, though, right? No. no. They're very sweet. They're, They're really sweet. nice. Sarah's yeah. jumping in now to finally defend yeah. her mother. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like ponies, you often hear, have yeah, a lot I of attitude. Po- ponies have bad attitudes. But minis are, are different. Minis are just little horses. They're yeah. just little. They are. They're little horses. Yeah, they're just like munching on them carrots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really upset that you didn't bring them today. But that's okay. I'll, I'll give you a third upset, hearing all John. <laughs> and you moved to Mysterious Valley with your horses in, uh, you know, in retirement, if I may um, ask, or well, a change of life of some kind? My husband is a consultant, and so Never he... understood what that meant. It's a murderer for hire. That's right, I have to imagine. <laughs> okay, so your husband retired from Mysterious Consultancy... Right? And you moved to Mysterious Valley. Valley. Mm-hmm. I know what it's really called, but I'm going to call it Mysterious Valley. <laughs> Mysterious Hanging Valley. Impossible Valley. <laughs> USA. And you just were asked to volunteer, and you said yes. Mm-hmm. And how many, how, you know, I, don't want, I know you don't want to brag, but, like, how many lives would you say you've saved or been part of the saving of? Most of my job is taking sick people to the hospital. I understand that. Um, there have been... Um, we, and that, and by the we're way, far enough. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm certainly not saying you have to save a life every time or else it's not worth it. I'm, just, like, I'm certainly not saying you should say to whoever recruited you into this, like, this is boring. These are just sick people. I thought it was going to be life or death every time. Yeah. I got um, so excited when I saw them plunge that needle into the heart in Pulp Fiction and... This is just a bunch of whooping cough. (laughs) Once or twice a year, we have somebody that we have to get to the hospital very fast. We fly people out if they're having a stroke or a heart attack or have serious trauma. About twice a year, you would say, a life is preserved. Intervention occurs that allows a life to continue. Yeah. And, And you've been, let's say, as part of the team, you are part of those efforts. And how many years have you been doing this? Um, I think I've been released since 2014. So that's, uh, uh, carry the, mm, right, five years ago. 
So at a minimum, you've been party to five life savings. Would that be fair to say, Susan? I think that's fair to say. And yep. <laughs> so stipulated. The point I'm raising, Susan, is that your daughter, Sarah, would rather those people have died. <laughs> is that not so, Sarah? I, I think some people would say that. <laughs> yeah, I just did. <laughs> The, the fact that you are not saying no, no, no <laughs> suggests to me that you agree with those people. Is that not so? That is not so. All right, finally, yes. you put your human mask back on. <laughs> Thank you for showing us who you are, though, to begin mm -hmm. with. So, Sarah, where do you live in this world? Uh, I live in Charlottesville, Virginia. Charlottesville, Virginia. Thank you. Thank you. How, are, how, are, how are things there? That they've been better. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, they might not have ever been better. I should stipulate that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you enjoy living there. Yeah, I do. I do like living there, but there's some things, you it's, know, yeah, a it's, brewing. Yeah, it's it's happening everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do there in Charlottesville, if I may uh, ask? I am a grant writer for a small uh, nonprofit women's mental health clinic. Oh well, thank you for you, what you do as well. Yeah. You are helping to save lives in a much, much more indirect way. I, I agree. But it is still important for it. I hope so. And, and from time to time, mm -hmm. you make the journey over the hill and through the woods. It, it is And through the magic portal. To, <laughs> and you, go, you, find, you find the wardrobe and you walk through it into, <laughs> into, into the impossible valley of Fort Valley. It's not an easy place to get to. No? It, what, what, what's involved? Uh, like Is there switch, a funicular? Switchbacks. Switchbacks. You have to go through the, the National Forest. Right. That's why they have a volunteer yeah. fire and EMT department. That's true. Because people can't come in there to save it's lives. It's difficult. You heard about the helicopter that they have to take in. <laughs> if know. anyone gets really sick. I mean, it's basically a death bowl. I know. And, and my parents moved there when they retired. Right, exactly. And so when you go and visit... Yes. And you're hanging out with your mom, mm -hmm. and you're angry because she's responding to these emergency calls. Tell me your side of the story, okay. I so will. I may dissect it. So I have uh, two small children. They love to visit their grandparents. They love to look at the horses. Yeah, I was going to say grandparents, yeah. sure, but horses. Yeah, I mean, you know what they're there she for. Got, she got too many ponies. Little, I mean, little Daisy and little what's the other little one's name? Christopher Robin. Christopher Ro the whole audience says <laughs> unison. Christopher Robin. <laughs> So your kids love to visit. Yes, right. they do. And what? And so what happens? Let's just say you're you're there, you're hanging out, you know, doing something fun, and then all of a sudden these loud sounds go off, and my mom's just like, you know, like she just bolts. What do you mean loud sounds? Just like loud tones. I mean, you call them tones, right? Yeah. Oh, this is the, the my oh, yeah. reggae air horn or something. It's yeah. What do they sound like, if Sarah? If you were going to impersonate them. And, they you know, sound like it's like beep, beep, beep. that's probably not it at all. What does it sound like? Susan, was, it, was that a good impersonation or no? No, no she says. Can <laughs> you do it? Guessing. Beep 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 beep. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have a new one. And then do da. <laughs> what was that? What was the last one? Do da. And then do da. <laughs> yeah. so no, thank you. They have to change that one. <laughs> 
And then they tell you what it is, where and what it is. And they, they, just, they, they come they, over the radio then, John. It's they over go, the radio. Hear me now! <laughs> <laughs> Do they come over live over a radio in your house? On my pager, yeah. Wherever, I mean, wherever I am. Right, but does a voice start talking to yes, you? Yes, it's 911. It's, oh, okay. It's and the people you call when you call 911. So it's the 911 operators. Push alert a button, you, push a button. And then they just start talking into the house. Right. right. And, and they say, there is an emergency at blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Who will respond? And you jump up and say, and you jump up and you throw your children, your grandchildren off your lap. Yes. And you're like, I cannot wait to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you just like trample over the Candyland set. Is this true or is this not true, Sarah? It, it feels that way. It feels that way. Yeah. You feel your mother is too responsive to these uh, other emergencies and not yeah. responsive enough to your family time. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Okay, and when your mom jumps up and goes away, how does that make you feel? You know, I could feel a little bit abandoned or a little bit out of sorts because I'm not, this is not my house. Right. It's their house. And so I'm oftentimes alone with my two small children on a 20-acre horse farm in the middle of nowhere. Right. And you're what, not... if you're, what if you run out of carrots? Then what are those little no. horses going to eat? Yeah, they're going to... Well, she, she doesn't want us to play with the horses without her there. <gasps> Susan, why not? Horses are large, dangerous flight animals that if you don't know how to behave around them because you don't come up and visit often enough... <laughs> That was good. Do you feel that Sarah does not visit often enough? I wish she could visit more often, but she and her husband both work. It's difficult. It's well, isn't it the case then that since they cannot visit as often as any of you would like, I presume, that shouldn't you maybe turn your pager off and spend what time you have with them with them rather than mm. leaving them at risk of being trampled by your wild horses? <laughs> Sometimes I'm the only EMT in Fort Valley. I thought you said there were like eight or nine of them. But... Are they all just blowing it off? Yeah, they are. Tell me, Sarah. So she is the person who takes the most calls year after year. She's the lieutenant, e the EMS lieutenant. So oh. she's like the so most responsible... she's not responsible. Mrs. Officer, she's Mrs. Lieutenant. Yes, she's the lieutenant. But she, I think at times people know that she's there and that she's going to respond to all the calls. And so they're like, nah. Wait, you're talking about sick people? They're like, no, oh, the Susan's other... the only one left. I think this is a good time to get sick. The other EMTs. <laughs> oh, I see. So, so I think that they, they, they know, know that... that she's dependable so they, they can just sort of like. Oh, they're taking advantage they're of taking her. They're taking advantage of her, yeah. Do you have any actual evidence that, that this conspiracy theory is true? Susan is shaking her head no. Sarah it's, says she yeah, knows. She I understands. Know. I get it. Susan, do you have any other option? Can you press the pause button? Can you assign your responsibilities for a period of time to another volunteer EMT? That's not how we work. We don't take duty shifts because it, you can go a week or more without a call. And so if your duty, you know, you spend all that time waiting for something to happen that never happens. So um, the way it works there is if you are in Fort Valley and able to respond, you go. When you get to the call, 
like I said earlier, the person who is best able to deal with whatever the situation is. Does so. Does so. Right. I am a top responder, but I'm not. Oh, not to brag. (laughs) Is this about your medallion status, (laughs) ma'am? Top responder. Well, they they have a banquet every year and they give you... You get four stars every time? Oh. You get access to all the responder lounges around the world. There's a responder upgrade available. You get it first. So no, I, I imagine that it was like a rideshare driver situation where every time someone has a heart attack, they're, they're pestered by their phone to rate their EMT driver. <laughs> Four stars, top responder. But I, the number I respond to is significantly less than the number I transport people out of Fort Valley. So okay. I frequent, and that's a, usually it's a total of about three hours to take somebody to the hospital and get everything done. Right, so you respond, you show up, someone else is better qualified to deal with it, you go back on home. Right. Right, okay. So tell me about the last time that your mom responded to a call. I I don't know if I can remember the exact last time, but... Or one that sticks in your mind. Yeah, so one that sticks in my mind is that she had invited me and my family to visit them for the weekend, that she was going to teach my daughter and I how to make strawberry jam. Nice. It was a very, very like, grandmotherly. lovely grandmothery gesture. Right. And so we get all the strawberries and the sugar and the big pot on the stove. Right. And then the, the tones go off. And she's just gone. And then I have this like giant Susan, pot. drop strawberry jam. <laughs> get out of house immediately. <laughs> I have this big pot of like sticky strawberry goo boiling yeah. on a stove. And I've never, I don't know how to make strawberry jam. And You're how thinking, long? me not make jam. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then how? I had this big responsibility and no mother. Yeah, well, certainly n- n- no one comes home to visit their parents to have to spend time with their children. <laughs> but how long was she gone for before the strawberry jam project restarted again? I mean, she was gone. I think at that time you did take them to the hospital. And so you were gone for several hours. I don't know. The strawberry jam got made, but could have been tastier. (laughs) Could have been tastier. Susan, do you recall this incident, and do you remember what the emergency was that you were responding to? I remember the incident, but I don't remember, and I really couldn't tell you, because of HIPAA laws, what the incident was. (laughs) (laughs) Suffice it to say, it might have been something more of an inconvenience than having half-made jam lying around. I would assume so, because I really wanted to do it with them. Right. And if, if that person needed to go to the hospital, or it, we could have flown them out. It takes a, pretty much everybody to get everything set up for flying somebody out. So, and it takes a long time. So what do you like about doing this, Susan? I like helping the people in the community. Yeah. I like knowing that I'm being supportive and you know i do like the adrenaline rush i mean I... <laughs> do you do you think sarah you, you say you have two children yes and and what's their ages and styles <laughs> i have a six-year-old daughter and an almost three-year-old son so the three-year-old son is just a, yeah. a creature who just eats legos and doesn't know what's happening so that's <laughs> no i i agree completely but your six-year-old daughter is obviously cognizant of what's happening and that mm-hmm. her grandmother is going away to save lives yes 
Everyone's very proud of her. Everyone's very proud of, of My your mother. mother. Right. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Well, obviously, it is a sad situation that your daughter can't make jam with, what does she call you? Grandma? Goggy. Goggy. <laughs> Could this get more adorable? <laughs> I think this is the last episode of the podcast, Jesse. I think this is it. Yeah. We better close with a miniature donkey or we're busted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't you think that even though she's sad she can't make jam with her Goggy, she appreciates that Goggy's got responsibilities oh, and is kind of a superhero? Uh, for sure. And you know what? When we go to visit them, my mom takes us to the fire station and lets them climb up into the ambulance and the fire truck. Like, right. It's like super high-level grandma. But you're not asking your, your mother to stop being a top responder. No, not Just at all. Just a medium responder. Yeah, I think... Or a, a sometimes responder. I think that... She does take a lot of calls. I, I do think that she has even mentioned that, that people don't always respond when they know that she's there. So, and so I right, think, well, obviously yeah. you've already accused the yeah. Fort Valley, and this time I'll remember the name, because you are accusing the other members of the Fort Valley Ooh. Volunteer Ooh. Fire Department of being creeps and shirkers <laughs> who go out of town, or I should say out of valley, that is what you say. When they know your mom is hanging around, because they're like, we can go away, we can F off, top responder will take care of it. And when they're even there, they get the beep, 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 and they're like, never mind, Susan's got it. They're all a bunch of losers and wasteoids. <laughs> These are your words, madam. feel that she takes on more responsibility than she has to. I, I think so, yeah. Do you think that that's true, Susan, or no? No. No, and you would never betray your colleagues, even though secretly you know Sarah's right. No. Let the record show that she is saying no, but I know that she's saying yes. <laughs> no. No. You know your colleagues, and you trust them, and you have each other's... We have each other's backs. backs. Yeah, exactly so. So it's Sarah who's lying. It's Sarah is a fabricator. That hurts. Oh, I think that that was a sincere form of uh, feeling. I think that was a sincere expression of feeling. Does it not? Does it hurt? Oh, it does hurt. Yeah, yeah. I will admit. Yes, it does hurt to feel like, you know, she actually doesn't like to leave the valley because they depend on her. So she doesn't come and visit us as often as I would like. Mm -hmm. And when we go to visit them, sometimes will be alone there for almost the whole weekend. She can't, it's not every time that we go that she gets a call, obviously. Like it's one Let to two a week. Let the record show that Mrs. Lieutenant Officer just gave her daughter some serious side eye. <gasps> I missed that. Do you um, but it was when you said, sometimes we come and visit and she's barely there for the weekend. Yeah, I think that's accurate because it's not just the, the time that she's away. It's also that it's hard physical work that's also mentally and emotionally taxing, and she needs to rest afterwards. Sure. So she'll go and do it, and then she'll come back and maybe take a nap or right, rest. Right. I, it's understandable, but she's still away. Your father, your husband, is alive and in the picture? <laughs> yes, he is. Yes. So is he also volunteering and doing stuff? No. So what do the children call him? Guppy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. It's Guppy. Did, did you say Guppy? I said Guppy. Guppy and Goggy. 
God, I wish we could just drop the mics and walk off stage. Where is Guppy in this picture? When Goggy goes away, doesn't Guppy step in and help out with the jams and the things? It's, it's a 22-acre horse farm. There's a lot of work to be done. Like, when we go up, it's the weekend. He's been working all week. Like, he's off, like, doing farm chores Do you a have lot. brothers and sisters? I do, yeah. What, where are they in the world? They live in upstate New York. Do they visit and have similar complaints? They would not go on record as such. Oh, right. You won't, you won't betray your colleagues either. <laughs> uh, do you have any sources in the deep state? <laughs> No comment. So, Sarah, if I were to rule in your favor, what would you have me rule? I would like it that when we come to visit, that she tell her colleagues that she would be unavailable to run calls and that she would turn off her pager and the radio for the weekend. And also, this is something we didn't talk about yet, but she also is, like, very active in the firehouse. And, like, sometimes we'll go up there and she'll be like, oh, yeah, there's bingo tonight, so I got to leave at 3 to go, like, run bingo. So so that she would just tell me if it's going to be a bingo night before we get there. So you might plan ahead and yeah. not come for a bingo night. Do you plan or just to get know. a new grandma that weekend? <laughs> right. Have you ever just considered hi- hiring a, a substitute Goggy to hang around? Oh, no. Goggy, is it possible for you to tell your colleagues I'm taking the weekend off? I mean, I, I'm not talking about possible for you personally, but like, would it be acceptable within the laws of the volunteer fire department? It's not something that people do. Ever. Unless you're drunk, no. <laughs> well, a solution has just presented itself. <laughs> I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, how are you feeling about your chances in the case? Oh, I knew coming into this that I was going to be the unsympathetic character. <laughs> yeah. No. What I... are you, what are you, reality show producing our podcast? <laughs> Everyone in, in the family that I told we were going to do this, they're all like, you're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, how are you feeling? I hope I um, am supported and keep Aww. get to keep doing what I feel is necessary to do. Um, I Hold your applause. <laughs> well, we'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say in just a moment. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom and presents his verdict. <laughs> so my dad is a, is a grandparent mm-hmm. to our children, a very devoted grandparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also does a lot for his community. He uh, helps raise money for uh, teacher development in the Brookline Public Schools, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's a, uh, he's a great dad. He's a great dad, great grandparent. He is a, uh, the, uh, trained as a bookkeeper originally and has an actuarial view about existence, which is to say he lives with one foot in the grave. He is constantly extrapolating towards death. And at one point I was visiting him when our ch- a few years ago when our children were a little bit younger. And he said, I would like to set up a schedule where I see uh, your children every three weeks, either here 
in Boston or Brookline or New York, one visit or another. I'm like, that sounds fine, sure. And he said, I, I've calculated, the reason I want to do this <laughs> is that I have calculated that I have about four more years where they will want to spend time with me. <laughs> and I said, hang on, Dad. We, I understand what you're saying. There is a period of transition when kids become preteens and teens where they individuate and they don't feel as excited about spending time with Guppy and Goggy. You're not wrong to think ahead to that time, I suppose, but if you are calculating the amount of time you have left, then the time you spend with them will be overshadowed by that, and it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy, and they'll realize that you're a death-obsessed weirdo. <laughs> if you just take it a little bit easy and not think about it that way and spend the time with them, you don't know how long they will, they will enjoy spending time with you. And I thought that that was very insightful. My part? <laughs> Until I realized his calculations were absolutely correct. <laughs> Almost to the day. I mean, he didn't show me the spreadsheet, but I know there is one. And while my children still love their guppy, they are now on their way in their own lives, and they are not as interested in making strawberry jam with him. You know, this is what happens when you have children. I don't need to tell you, Susan. They, they are the entire investment of your life, and you are the entire investment of their lives for a very intense period of time, and then they grow up and, and they, they reveal themselves that they have always been whole human beings the entire time. <laughs> they have been tricking you into thinking they were just a reflection of your own self. <laughs> that you could take pictures of and put on Instagram and get street cred for their cuteness. But that's all over now, because now, they're, they're, now they want to be away from you. And they go away, and that's a hard thing to deal with. And particularly when you go through transitions like that and then into later adulthood and retirement, these are big transitions, big life changes, and you have to find a way to make yourself feel happy and fulfilled and reconnect. Don't, don't stick it. Let the record show that Susan just stuck her tongue out at Sarah. Because <laughs> you think you have it in the bag, don't you? No. You I think don't. you have it no. in the bag. No, not at all. You do? No. You, you and your friends sit around the firehouse <laughs> talking about how... No, anyway. You don't, you don't have it in the bag, I know. Goggy. I know. You're a top goggy, but you don't have it in the bag. Still figuring it out in my head. That's why I'm talking so much. <laughs> so, your, your mom went through this transition that you're going to go through, yeah. right? And the transition she made was to go to a fictional valley, mm -hmm. surround herself with dangerous horses, and throw herself into the service of her community both in terms of life-saving and bingo. And I know that you're proud of your mom. I am. <laughs> you have your own family now. Mm -hmm. And I think that you will come to appreciate, if not now, then later, that while I'm sure Goggy loves you and her grandchildren very much, she loves her life. Mm -hmm. 
This is, inc it's, inc and look, I know you're grateful for your mom. It's incredible to have a parent when you're an adult who is self-sufficient, engaged, healthy, saving lives, dodging horses. I don't know what's going on. She doesn't always dodge them. No, right. Do they get you sometimes? Yes. A neighbor blew up something and knocked, they knocked me down. Who knocked you down? A neighbor blew up something really big and my horses knocked me down. Why are we not talking about this? <laughs> John, we have other justice to describe. I know, tonight. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, want, I just want a series of novels set in your world. Is that so much to ask? A trilogy at least. You know, the, lots of people have adult parents who, uh, who are, are not capable of taking care of themselves, mm -hmm. uh, who have uh, uh, big, uh, who do not manage this transition well. Maybe they have financial issues, maybe they have health issues, or maybe they're just like, you know, charting their course to the grave, like my dear father is doing. <laughs> I love him so much. This should be a point of joy for you. And while I appreciate uh, that it is hard that when you go to Fictional Valley to get a break from your children so that you can pretend to be the retired mom that your mom is, and she's not there to stick around and take care of it, that it's, that it's frustrating and also hurtful because you have traveled far and wide through various dimensional portals to get there. Several, yes. I share your suspicion, Sarah. Thank you. That there, that there is, that your mom has taken on a, a mantle of responsibility, a heavy mantle of responsibility, mm -hmm. that her drunk colleagues do not share. <laughs> you don't have to tell them. This we may were or here. may not be true. <laughs> Just as you will not snitch on your siblings, so she will not snitch on her fellow FDs. <laughs> But nonetheless, I do not think she will put it down lightly. And it's clear she will not put it down even for her own daughter. Mm -hmm. I cannot compel her to put down that mantle of responsibility. I appreciate that it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. Instead of having her be the role model of the Gagi who stays at home and makes jam, you have a, a wonderful role model of the Gagi who starts making jam and then kicks it off the stove because someone else <laughs> is calling because her, her life is an adventure novel. That's true. <laughs> Your siblings were right. You are wrong. This is the sound of a gavel. Got John Hodgman rules. That is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Thank you to Sarah and Susan. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2020, 2024, 2020, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. 
And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Please, everyone in this wonderful theater, put your hands together once again for Brian Farrow. say so much the rest you can say by touch don't struggle over words don't fret over verbs me and you I know what I've heard only speak your native tongue I hear your intention song The sweet melody be found over me Brush my skin, the meaning within Tangle fingers and no delay What more is there to say? 
firmness of hands hits that demand not one word can speak those commands so KidBFarrow on Instagram and BrianFarrow.com. Thank you all so much. Y'all hear the guitar all right? Land of the brave, home of the free. Don't want to be mistreated by no bourgeoisie, because it's a bourgeois town. Oh, this bourgeois town I got the bourgeois blues And I'm gonna spread that news all around Me and my wife, we was upstairs Those white folks downstairs said uh, They don't want them around here Cause it's a bourgeois town Oh, this bourgeois town I got this bourgeois blues I'm gonna spread that news all around yeah. Them folks in Washington, they know how. Call a colored man names just to see him bow. Cause it's a bourgeois town. Oh, this bourgeois town. I got the bourgeois blues. I'm gonna spread that news all around. Tell all the colored folks. Listen to me, all the colored folks, raise your hand real quick. <laughs> Tell all the colored folks to listen to me. Uh, you don't want to make your home in Washington, D.C. Cause it's a bourgeois town. Oh, this bourgeois town. I got the bourgeois blues, gonna spread that news all around. Can y'all clap with me? Uh, uh, hold on, I got you. There you go, that's where it is. <laughs> this is the legacy of your town. It didn't grow, it just changed the mold. Don't play ignorant, y'all should know. Nothing's gonna change until the veto rolls. So, get your lungs ready. Scream and shout as I go ahead and take this song on now. Cause it's a bourgeois town. Oh, this bourgeois town. I got the bourgeois blues, gonna spread that news all around. Y'all can sing it too. Cause it's a bourgeois town. Oh, this bourgeois town. I got the bourgeois blues, gonna spread that news all around. Oh, I got the bourgeois blues Gonna spread that news all around Thank you, y'all
Brian Farrow. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Should we introduce our special guest on tonight's program? Yeah, that's right. We have a special guest expert witness. Surprise witness, folks. Yeah. Let's please introduce this person, won't you? You know her not only as one of the greatest friends of Judge John Hodgman, the coiner of our classic phrase. I, by the way, I just claimed it for us, I guess, by saying our classic. <laughs> That's good. The classic phrase, little weirdsies, off-referenced on this program. She's one of the hosts of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Please welcome Linda Holmes. Linda Holmes. Yes. 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 Hi, Linda, y'all. what a delight to see you. It's a delight to see you too. It's a real thrill to have a successful oh, podcaster you. here tonight, folks. Well, it's a very this is a this is a very imposing show to be part of if you're a person who has no act. I feel like the Baroness Schrader. I feel I'm like, the I same w- way. <laughs> I'm like I would have brought my harmonica. <laughs> Do you play harmonica? No, but it's no. the Baroness Schrader. Some of them know. Oh, I'm sorry. Right? I misheard It's the sound of music. The Baroness. Oh, yes, right. When, oh, right. when all the children are singing, and she has this wonderful line. She's like the, one of the best characters in all she of the films. And she says, oh, I wish I'd known something about the singing, and I would have brought my harmonica. Right. And it's this wonderfully dry. Yes. She deserves so Just much like, better. Ice coming out of her mouth. Absolutely, yeah. in the best way. When you're young, you think that she's a villain. No. And I'm not the first person to observe this, but when you're young, you think she's a villain, and then you're kind of like, nah. Yeah, no. When you've seen enough Muppets, it's like, hmm. <laughs> I don't belong here, and, she's, and she, she lets him go, basically. She does, right? and yeah. she tells him, go get your nun. <laughs> when I was a kid, my dad used to play the harmonica very badly. He would put on a tape, a cassette tape, and then just play along with it with his set of harmonicas. He was terrible. And I thought it was the worst thing ever uh, when I was 10 years old. I would just yeah. be like, look at my dad. Oh, God. 
Oh, playing the harmonica. And I feel like growing up is understanding that actually he w- it was the greatest thing, thing ever. about him, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Linda, you, you obviously you observe and comment on popular culture, but you recently became uh, a best-selling novelist, author of Evie Drake. <laughs> Evie Drake starts over. True. Evie Drake starts over. True. And how does it feel to be on the other side? Well, it feels, uh, right now it feels tense because I have to write another one. I yeah. <laughs> have a contract for another one. Um, When's the due date? The first draft due date is April 1st. Oh, you'll never make it. <laughs> you know, as a former publishing professional, I can uh-huh. tell you, those deadlines mean nothing. Yeah, but here's like, the thing. E- the deadline of every book contract right. should be April 1st because okay. it is meaningless. But... <laughs> Here's what you don't know. Okay. The original one was September. <laughs> oh, you've already blown by a deadline. Yeah, make them wait. Make them wait, <laughs> Linda Holmes. Yeah, you well, two are yeah. main buddies, aren't you? Or you, you two are both main enthusiasts. Evie Drake Starts Over is set it's in the set, Great City. It's true. set in Maine. It's set in Maine. It's set in Midcoast Maine. If you've ever been to the kind of like Rockland, Camden. I'm sure I uh, don't know what you're talking wonderful about. Wonderful part of Midcoast Maine. It is set in that, that area where I vacationed uh, frequently when I was a kid. But you don't come back as an adult? Um, we, yeah, I do. I do when I can. We came back a couple times to the same cabins uh, that we used to rent when I was in high school or middle school. Um, my family came back when we were all, uh, my sister and I were adults and she had little kids. But then I also went back a couple times while I was working on the book. I right. actually wrote most of the second draft in the public. I wrote a bunch of the second draft in the public library in Camden, which oh, is wonderful. very beautiful if you've ever been there. And you didn't call me either. I was there probably. No, but I will tell you, one of my trips to Maine, I came back and I saw the Banana Man. Oh, really? Yeah. Jonathan Niederer, the Fresh Banana Man? I saw the Fresh Banana Man. I stopped at the rest stop and I came in and I said, I know you from the internet. And oh, really? I, yeah. And I was not the first person to have done this with him. And he was basically yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody loves being went. the fresh banana man like the fresh banana man. That's God right. bless him. That's kind of how it went. Yeah, this is, this is some old school Judge John Hodgman stuff. Listen to the archives. In any case, uh, time is short and there is still injustice. Let's hear some more cases, but we have to be fast because we're moving along here. Time moves in one direction. Jesse Thorne, what do you say to putting 10 minutes on the clock okay. so we can hear three cases in swift succession, what we call swift justice. Shall we? Please welcome to the stage Liz and Emmanuel. Liz and Emmanuel. Now, full disclosure, I must reveal that I saw Liz and Emmanuel at Tattooed Mom Bar in Philadelphia last night. You're visiting from Philadelphia where you live, is that correct? Yes. yes. Right. And who comes to this court to... Uh, seek justice from me, John Hodgman. I am taking Emmanuel to court. You are, you are, and what is your complaint against Emmanuel? I am lactose intolerant, mm-hmm. and <laughs> thank you. That is a, such a classic J.J. <laughs> Ho <Ho-woo. laughs> And often when we go to get coffee, I will first order like a soy mocha, for example, and right. then Emmanuel will come up uh, and order after me, and they will order um, like a mocha with regular or normal milk. Emmanuel will order regular milk yes. or normal. normal milk <laughs> to differentiate their milk from your soy milk. Or yes, whatever. so you feel othered. Yes. Yes. Is this a matter, Emmanuel, of cow milk hegemony? 
I, I mostly just panic. Uh, <laughs> I think they found the key to the heart of the Judge John Hodgman listener. <laughs> well, I mean, Emmanuel, I, I happen to know that you use they, them pronouns. Yes. So obviously you appreciate the, um, uh, the, the irony in normalizing one certain kind of milk. It's, it's fair, yes. Against yes. all other milks yes. that, you are, that you have chosen to accept that there is not a normal in, right. in, in human personhood and interaction and so forth. Right. So what leg do you have to stand on? I mean, a lot of it just comes from severe anxiety around like ordering and like talking to anyone. Right. Um, <laughs> And so, like, so normally she'll order first, and it might not even be something I want, but I'm so panicked that I will just be like, I want you the same, go, yeah, I, just, same thing, but... You go back to ancient social training right. and conditioning, and you're like, normal milk! Yes. <laughs> what would you... Not that weird stuff, I'm not her! <laughs> what would you prefer that they say, dairy, dairy milk? I think that saying something like, I would like whole milk or 2% milk sure. would address their concern of not wanting to have a longer conversation, sure. quicker even than saying normal milk. <laughs> because they have been asked sometimes to clarify. Right. Sure. I was also a barista for a while. Yeah. And so I know too, like I'm not gonna pretend that there isn't a standard. So if somebody would say, I want a medium latte, they will default the to, dairy, to dairy, milk. dairy milk. So right. they don't have to add normal. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> so just don't, so just say milk. Yes. Your, it would be part of your argument. Maybe. Yeah, you know, regular milk. Oh, damn, I just did. <laughs> the anxiety defense is a strong defense mm -hmm. in the court of Judge John Hodgman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Panic attack while ordering coffee is something I can feel. Like, that's for sure. Can I argue again? Yes, please. So. <laughs> yeah, Liz, Liz felt me wrapping it up. She's like, this is not over. So. Can I argue more? <laughs> I grew up lactose intolerant, obviously, and my mother for my entire childhood called my milk special milk. Oh. <laughs> so I have. So this is bringing up some trauma for yes, you. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of non-dairy milk? Soy. Soy. You don't care for the oat? That's, that's big in the podcast oh, right current. now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with oat. Soy okay is with my oat preference. Milk. And then there's uh, almond, almond milk. What are, the, all, what are all the milks, Linda Holmes? I, my favorite is cashew, personally. Cashew milk? Yeah. They make that out of a cashew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get uh, cashew almond milk and Emmanuel drinks it. Right. Here is my, here is my order. Thank you, first of all, uh, for coming to the court of Judge John Hodgman. Uh, uh, Emmanuel, you have to say milk or dairy milk. Stop othering Liz's soy milk. And I appreciate that it makes you anxious, but maybe you can just print out a little card. <laughs> it says, I suffer from, I suffer from ordering anxiety. <laughs> Please just put regular milk in my coffee. <laughs> this is the sound of a gavel. Emmanuel and Liz. Please welcome Julia and John. Julia and John. Julia and John have entered the courtroom with a bottle. Uh, 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 John has something on a plate. 
and, and Julia has a bottle of maple syrup. Who? For the at-home listener, I just want to clarify, uh, John is wearing a Bonnaroo t-shirt, and the rest of the clothes a guy wearing a Bonnaroo t-shirt would wear. <laughs> I was really hoping you would say that. Yeah. Something. Say something. I presume that you are here to seek justice for John's outfit. Is that correct? <laughs> and that this weird stuff on a plate and this maple syrup is just something you carry around every day. Um, I've given up on that one. I see. Well, uh, you are Julia, and you yes. seek justice. What is the nature of your complaint? Um, John scrambles our pancakes. John scrambles <laughs> your pancakes. And may I presume that what you have brought on stage is a scrambled pancake? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> then I absolutely presume that. Yes. John, how do you what, set aside <laughs> set aside the fact that pancakes needed no improvement? <laughs> That it is a time-tested, delicious, though not for me as a sweet, I don't care for sweets, I don't have a sweet tooth, I have an alcohol molar. <laughs> a time-tested thing, primarily, primarily tested through time and improved through time by the work and labor traditionally of frontier women, but that you, a white man in the 21st century, <laughs> have figured out a new way of making pancakes. Setting aside, setting aside all of that context, how do you scramble a pancake? First, I just want to address the history of this. <laughs> They're actually. Oh, so you're, you're you're telling me actually? <laughs> I'm I'm prepared. Look, if you've done some serious pancake history, because I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. I will definitely. I will definitely uh, uh, listen sympathetically. Go you gotta on. understand Long the system, John. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> Long ago, Francis Bonnaroo was at Burning Man. <laughs> and so actually in the early 1900s, scrambled pancakes were invented in Germany, I believe. Oh, and yeah. were, were they called scrambled pancakes? Actually, wait, this is, wait. <laughs> I got it on a cocktail napkin. Okay. <laughs> I can see you've done a Bonnaroo level of oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. preparation. Yeah. Wikipedia, cocktail napkin. Wikipedia and a cocktail napkin, <laughs> yeah, that's cocktail, all you need. Yeah. Cocktail napkin is otherwise yeah. known as a Bonnaroo book. Yeah. <laughs> Does yeah. anyone have a spent piece of hash I can write with? <laughs> Cigarette, yeah. It's, it, it's uh, called Kaiser Schmarrn. I can't say that. Here, let me see it. Yeah, there you go. Oh, very nice handwriting. <laughs> Kaiser Schmarrn. Or, a.k.a. Oh, God. Emperor's Mess. Emperor's Mess. <laughs> Linda also, Holmes. Also what America is known as. <laughs> 2019. Linda Holmes, I am passing the evidence to you for your scrutiny, and perhaps you may want to ask a question or two of the witnesses. Um, did you begin scrambling your pancake because you want to salute the history of the Kaiser Schmacken Emperor's Mess or because you can't make a pancake? I was impatient and it cooks faster. Okay, are you aware that the idea of a pancake properly made is that it has like a slightly bit of a crispy outside and then it's like soft in the middle 
I like the chewiness all around. <laughs> hey. I give up. <laughs> I, I, I want to follow up Linda's question. Did you learn of the history of the Kaiser Schmarts nerd? And like, hmm, I want to give that a try. That sounds interesting. Or did you just f up a pancake? <laughs> and then be like, I bet there's a German word for this. <laughs> and like everything you think there's a German word for, you were right. Yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty hungover and just... Uh, <laughs> really? I see. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. New layers. Uh, <laughs> I think as, as hangover food, it's clearly acceptable, oh, I would yeah, say. Yeah. My question is, you wanted to make a pancake fast, mm -hmm. which is to say, you don't know when to flip a pancake. <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's hard. It's hard to know. Julie, do you make pancakes? Yes. And do you make good pancakes? Yes. What do you like? What size do you like? Um, medium. Sometimes I throw a couple mini or large, depends on how I'm feeling. You ever make I thought you were trying to say mini and large were synonyms. Sometimes I try to throw a couple mini, also known as large. I also come from a long line of pancake makers. My father has made a pancake for breakfast every morning since probably I was born or before. Oh my goodness. Um, so by long line, you mean you and your father? <laughs> yes. It does sound like her father counts as several. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so he eats the pancakes of many men. <laughs> Your father makes a pancake every morning. I bet he's good at it. He is. What is I, his technique, and how did he? And what did he teach you? Um, I learned more by watching because it's a very, you know, it's his thing, and right. it's the size of the pan. So I usually get a slice. What are you talking about now, Julia? <laughs> It's huge. He makes a huge cake? Huge pancake? A huge pancake. It's really good, but it's not quite what we're making. Why do you associate only with men who don't understand what pancakes are? <laughs> I she, thought your father was going to be a role model instead of some other weird creep. <laughs> yeah, this whole thing is something you need to address with your therapist, not us. <laughs> when you make pancakes, it's just regular pancakes, right? Not giant pancakes, not scrambled up pancakes, round pancakes in a cast iron pan or maybe a nonstick pan. Cast iron, and I usually do blueberry or chocolate chip. Right. And I do them very traditionally. I'm a very traditional pancake maker. Yeah, we're just say you make pancakes. But, I'm sorry. I said except the chocolate chips. Those are not traditional, really. I, I think, think that they're... Linda steam. Wow, a voice for real and pancakes. The, and the crowd turns on me over Could chocolate Could you elaborate on that? On the not traditional part? I said they're not traditional. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that the Judge John Hodgman crowd is always going to boo the exclusion of chocolate chips. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing they love about the podcast. They pick out the chocolate chips and they leave the rest of the podcast on the plate. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try these scrambled pancakes. All right. Uh, now, do you want to put maple syrup on? Let me do yeah. a, a taste. With so they do have almonds and coconut oil. It's like almond. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, I just got my head around scrambled pancakes. <laughs> but you're one of these guys who's like, let's add on, add oh, on. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, Guy Fieri? <laughs> you know what this needs now? Some jalapenos. It's like emerald, like bam. Yeah. Thank you for that, that ancient shout-out to my friend Emerald Johnson. <laughs> so you added in... I appreciate your, your warning yeah, me yeah. from an allergy point of view. Yeah. 
Coconut oil is no problem. Actually, a very good cooking oil for stuff like this, in my opinion, for, for when you're trying to cook eggs or pancakes or something that, that'll release easily. But the almonds are chunked up in here? No, it's like, so it's like almond meal flour. It's like... Jesus. <laughs> it's are, you glu- are you gluten-free? Is that what's happening? No, I'm just weird. <laughs> no, there is no normal. Understand, Emmanuel? <laughs> All right, so this is, not, this is not wheat flour. No. Almond flour, yeah. coconut oil. Any other allergens I should know about? No. He learned to do this at a Dr. Dog concert. (laughs) (laughs) All right, add the maple syrup. (laughs) Thank you. Let the record reflect that they have a 75-gallon bottle of maple syrup. (laughs) It looks like nice maple syrup. What do you know? Is there something you want to talk about? Is this your your dad's big maple maple syrup company or something? No, I wish. Okay, what what brand is it? I think it's Trader Joe's. Oh, okay. <laughs> is there uh, maple in the maple syrup? Because I'm deathly allergic. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this basically tastes. First of all, it's got a, a very ni- nutty undertaste, and it's it's a little for that for that reason it's a little extra savory, and I like it. Mm-hmm. It tastes like you are a three year old who took your pancake. <laughs> <laughs> It tastes like you're a three-year-old who, like, instead of eating his pancake, grabbed it in his little hands and went mush, 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 and left it behind. And I'm the older brother going like, no, I'll eat it. (laughs) But altogether, it's not an unpleasant taste. My question is, what kind of mess does it leave behind in the pan? Exactly. Um, a big mess in the pan. And then I go to make my pancakes right, and I don't have a pan. Right, because you don't clean the pan after you do your, your emperor's mess in it? We have two pans. <laughs> <laughs> I rule his and her pans, one for the emperor's mess, one for Julia. Never touch her pan. <laughs> Keep your pan and your weird plans to yourself, sir. Julia and John. Please welcome Jason and Allison. Jason and Allison, who comes to this court to seek justice before me? I'm coming to seek justice. Thank you. And you are Allison, I presume? I am. And what is the nature of your dispute? I uh, feel strongly sometimes when there has been some form of injustice towards myself or my husband that I want to speak up and say something to correct it. And that makes my husband very anxious. Well, that all sounds very reasonable and rehearsed. <laughs> what, do you, what is actually going on here, Jason? So sometimes there's like an awkward um, social situation that kind of calls for a comment. And she'll say, I'm going to say something. And I'd really hope that she doesn't go say something. Why are you worried that she will go say something? It's like a spidey sense. It just feels really wrong. Just like that she's talking, or? No. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Walked, walked right into it. No, I do have a question, though. I do have a question. I, I need an example. Like, like are we, you don't want her to say something about politics, or you don't want her to say something about somebody punched you in the face, or? Uh, when we moved into our house, our next-door neighbor used to tie their dog to our front tree. Um, to your front to tree. To our front tree. And Allison is upset. 
Yes. I was. We, at the time, had two dogs ourselves. Yes. And the the tree was clearly in the center of our front yard. And this mm-hmm. dog could, the, the leash would reach to our front porch. And so this little dog would be barking on our front porch. It sometimes would bark at our neighbors who were walking on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Right. And since it was tied to our tree. It seemed you know, like it was your they dog. Thought you, yes. They thought right. that a-hole dog was yours. Correct. And, and it's really weird that your neighbor tied their dog thank you. to your tree. Yes, I, I agree. What was going on there, in your opinion? I think they had done it for years before. We had just moved in. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. Right. And so we... Um, so rather possession. than trying to blend into the neighborhood gently and go along with the traditions and customs, you kidnap the dog. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Bobo, I, I had nothing against him. Personally, he was a pleasant enough dog. Is this the dog or your neighbor? <laughs> Mr. Bobo's a dog? Mr. Bobo is Mr. the dog. Mr. Bobo's the dog. Goggy is the neighbor. <laughs> is Mr. Bobo no more? Uh, Mr. Bobo and his family have since moved. Oh. Yes. Not, the, not our fault. Not in any provable way. No. In fact, we, we became friends. I, so ultimately, I confronted... Um, Mr. Bobo's owner. Yes. Uh, senior Bobo. And did you, th- but this was awkward for you? It just Casey? felt so weird. Yeah. Tell me more about how it made you feel. Um, we would see them a lot, and they were very friendly, and I had... Yeah, that two- does feel weird. <laughs> we had two big dogs at the time, so I would walk them a lot, and so it just felt like I wanted to crawl inside myself it was kind of after, awkward after she confronted correct them. yes but there, was there any sense that there was a bad feeling about this no do, do you feel that your sensitivity to this issue is the fact that you're gentrifying a neighborhood where they don't speak english <laughs> I, I do want to share this the, the neighbors who ultimately did move away before they moved away they came to our son's first birthday party. Yeah. We went to their granddaughter's first birthday party. We, they're very good people. No, I mean, having, all, hard, having hard conversations is part of being a neighbor. They're not all easy. And being willing to put yourself out there and engage in conversation, particularly if it's a cross-cultural conversation, is, you know, wh- wh- whether it's responsible or brave or just basically human and decent, it's part of being a neighbor. And I'm glad that that seemed to have deepened your relationship with your neighbors until they inevitably got priced out of your neighborhood and had to leave. <laughs> but that wasn't your fault. Capitalism is fundamentally morally corrupt. In any case, I, apl- I applaud your, your uh, presuming that you are not a, a sociopath who has tricked me. I applaud your assertiveness, and, uh, I, and I encourage you, Jason, to be grateful that you have someone to hide behind. Thank you. Jason and Allison. Live justice from the Lincoln Theater in Washington, D.C. Our thanks to all of the litigants who shared their disputes with us. This episode recorded by Jeff Bird, 
produced by Hannah Smith, edited by Jesus Ambrosio. Our producer is the great Jennifer Marmer. Follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. Hashtag your judge John Hodgman tweets. Hashtag JJHO. And check out the MaxFun subreddit, MaximumFun.reddit.com, to discuss this episode. We're on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Make sure to follow us there for evidence and other fun stuff. And hey, you made it this far into the credits. You owe it to yourself to get more John Hodgman content by subscribing to iPodius. Just this is the end of this show, so you might as well listen to that next. Yeah, if you're one of these real dead enders who goes all the way to the end of the credits, <laughs> you're definitely going to enjoy iPodius for sure. <laughs> we'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. It's you I like It's not the things you wear It's not the way you do your hair But it's you I like The way you are inside Way down deep inside you It's not the things that hide you It's not your toys they're just beside you. It's a hell of a lyric, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> it's you I like. Every part of you. Your hair, your skin, your feelings. Whether old or new. I hope that you remember even when you're feeling blue. It's you I like. It's you, I like. That's our show, everybody. Kid B. Farrow over here. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.